Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Up Tempo Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lang, and today we're joined by a special guest by the name of Joel Gunderson. He's a writer for Scoop Duck, works for the On3 site up at Oregon, and does a lot of writing about the uh, the Oregon Duck program, and gives really, really good content on Twitter, on that On3 Oregon site. Really good writing about the program. He's not biased towards the duck program. He will tell you exactly how it is at Oregon. And we're glad to have him today. We're going to touch on the Mario Cristobal departure from Oregon and the Dan Lanning era beginning at Oregon. Uh, Him hitting the ground running, recruiting, the staff that he's put together, them opening up against Georgia next year in Atlanta. We're going to talk a little bit about the home-and-home situation in college football and and how we should really get back to the home-and-home and and not playing each other at neutral sites. Uh, You know, got a little off-topic on that, but I really enjoyed it. And then uh, we're going to talk about Bo Nix leaving Auburn and going to Oregon and and the new start for him and and what Joel and and Duck fans really – expect out of Bo and 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 then we're going to talk about the expectations of the 2022 season is it Pac-12 championship is it college football playoff or is it a nine and three season and a building block year for Dan Lanning and the Ducks do is it a is it a three-year plan or is it go to the portal this year and and try to make it all work and Last but not least, everything you want to hear, everybody here in Alabama wants to hear, he's going to clear the the Kayvon Thibodeau story up. He's going to give you his thoughts. He's not going to act like he's Kayvon Thibodeau. He is going to give you his thoughts, and he is going to just really dive in raw and, and give it to you straight up about Nike and, and what Kayvon really meant and how – a two-minute clip wasn't fair for Kayvon and and how a, a kid got put on TV for three hours live watching a game and and he and he made a mistake. So I, I really did enjoy this this sit down with Joel and and a really good dude. Uh, just give me the time out of his day. Gave me twenty-seven solid minutes and I'm thankful and 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 just just really really appreciate joel for coming on man and hey we're gonna dive right into it here we go welcome in everybody and today we're joined by a special guest joel gunderson writer for scoop duck and a huge oregon ducks fan how you doing today joel i'm doing good man thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah man and uh you know i really appreciate you coming on and i'm a huge auburn fan and and me and my brother, we do this podcast, and, and we follow Oregon and watch the Pac-12 after dark. And I want to dive right in, man. And, and you know, Auburn just recently went through the co- the coaching search last year and Oregon doing it this year. And, you know, the crystal ball stuff to Auburn happened last year. And, and I just want to know, like, the vibes this past season around the program, like with him possibly leaving last year and then – you know, you guys beat Ohio State, and then it just kind of seemed like after that in the season, it was kind of a weird, uh, weird thing that went on up there at Oregon. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. The uh, the weird vibes actually started during the 2020 season, and uh, it, 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 was, it felt like the normal energy and the vibe that Mario Cristobal prided himself on was, was gone last year. And I think a lot of people just uh, chalked that one up to COVID and mm-hmm. obviously the Pac-12 being, uh, you know, basically the last conference to finally get on board with having a season. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it certainly uh, was not conducive to what Mario wants to do and he want he wanted to build Oregon like an SEC program uh like like a Miami program where you know it, it's competition every day and in any moment for him that he was losing out uh not being able to be in the building not being able to practice or play games I think for him that was you know a moment they were falling behind their competition and by their competition I don't mean the other Pac-12 schools I mean the big boys around the country because that's you know that's how Mario viewed it mm-hmm. he was never he was never building Oregon to go up against USC or Washington or UCLA. He was building them to go up against Georgia and Clemson and, and schools like that. So I think, you know, a lot of the, you know, he, he hasn't been the same really since, uh, since the Rose bowl in 2020. And this year he mentioned it, you know, they went into the second week of the year against Ohio state mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they won a game that if that game had been played two months later, they probably would have lost by 30. It's just how <laughs> it is. Ohio state was not, was not rolling in Oregon. They caught lightning in a bottle. You know, they mm-hmm. were essentially without two of their best three defensive players uh, playing very limited role offensively with their quarterback situation. And, you know, it was a perfect storm that day. But, yeah, after that, you know, they, they never looked they never looked good. They never looked like an Oregon team, that I think, we thought. And as this, this stuff started to happen, you know, the second to last week of the season, they went to Utah for that, that big Saturday night game. Mm-hmm. Oregon was ranked third in the country, still in a playoff spot, and they got absolutely boat raced. They didn't look at all in that game like they were competitive. They didn't look mm-hmm. at all like they really wanted to be there, quite frankly. And I remember thinking as the cameras came on and, and the show, you know, and the, the pregame show started and they showed that crowd at Utah, and I instantly just had this feeling like it, it's not happening tonight. Sometimes you get a vibe. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, it was pretty apparent. And I, I said, I've gotten to know some players on the team, uh, mostly the kids that came in here during this 2021 class. And talking to them, the vibe is that basically the last three or four weeks of the season, players players could tell that Mario was checked out the door. Mm. And for him, for someone like him, it's so obvious when he's less than 100% because when he's on, you know, he, he owns any room he walks into, as the saying goes. And, and he just didn't have that anymore. And I think it was, you know, it was evident by the way the team played. And, you know, the 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 three or four day saga, of, is he going to go? Is he not going to go? He's telling recruits he's going to stay and then he's out the door. Mm. After everything that happened, you mentioned last year with Auburn, with that whole flirtation, I think a lot of a lot of fans were were split because there was a feeling of, where do we go from here? Because he had, he had so raised the bar at Oregon from a recruiting standpoint, because, you know, when Oregon went to the national championship game in 2010 against Auburn and then mm-hmm. 2014 against Ohio state, that was all done off of scheme and technique. None yep. of that was recruiting. Oregon was never a top 10 recruiter. They were not never a top 15 recruiter. They were mm-hmm. never a top 20 recruiter. And Mario came in and completely blew the doors off that. So I think there was a lot of concern when he left for Miami about, where are they going to go? Are they going to go back and, and dip into the past and grab a Chip Kelly? Uh, are they going to go back into the past and grab a Justin Wilcox, who was mm-hmm. in Cal, who, who played for Oregon? Yep. And there was a large contingency of the fan base that I think would have been okay with that because they didn't, you know, not everyone follows recruiting, and it's a much different landscape out west. 
uh, you know, down south, the football season is almost a distraction from recruiting. And here, <laughs> you uh, if you pull, uh, you know, 5,000 Oregon fans, I bet you 4,800 of them don't even follow recruiting at all. Oh, and it's wow. just a different vibe. So, you know, the, the diehards were very anti going for Chip Kelly and guys like that. So when the news came down that it was landing, I think it was really, it was met with a sense of the powers that be at Oregon were were ready to keep this thing going. And they know that they have a good brand. And, you know, Oregon's a few recruiting classes away from fielding a roster and a depth chart that is, is up there with some of the better schools in the SEC and the mm-hmm. Big Ten. So... There's excitement, uh, and then obviously the staff that, that Coach Landing has put together is, I mean, top to bottom. Uh, you know, I, I would put this staff from a recruiting standpoint up against any staff in the country, and that's not West Coast bias. That's not Oregon bias. That is that is factual. Uh, you know, you look at the staff he has. Every one of those guys could walk into an SEC building right now and and be considered a for, for a position. So. No uh, you know, it's been a it's been a rocky month. It's been a wild month since Mario left. But I think now that the dust has settled, I, I you'd be very hard pressed to find someone that really follows the sport mm-hmm. that would trade anything that's happened. I think Oregon is set up in a really good spot going forward, and we're all very excited for Coach Landing out here. Man, I agree one hundred percent. And I'm on Twitter all the time, and and I think it was a home run hire. Uh, I watched the defense fly around Monday night, and. I know that he can bring that to Oregon, and I I think that's you know I think it's an A plus hire, and and the staff that he's put together, and him getting on the recruiting trail, and and just I'm excited for it, and and I love it, and you know leading into my next question, man, is is I watched Bo Nix for three years, and I was in Dallas, Texas that night, uh, you know when he when he threw the game winner, and and just him having three different offensive coordinators at Auburn, it just never worked out and he had to go through a coaching change and, and he decided to leave and, and head to Oregon. What is, what is the fan base feeling about Bo Nix? And, and, you know, cause I've kind of heard that it, it's, it's going to be an open competition with, I think it's Ty Washington and, and the Butterfield kid. Do you think? Yeah, do you uh, think Bo will be QB one? Well, so, so I, I tend to take a different view on Bo than, than some people I've talked to. Uh, mm-hmm. Ty Thompson is is uh, he was the true freshman in twenty twenty one. He was the highest rated quarterback recruit in program history. He's the first ever five star quarterback to commit to Oregon, which is uh, you know hard to believe when you think about some of the guys that have come through here recently. But a lot of Oregon's success at that position has been with, you know, a Mariota or a Justin Herbert. Well, those were both three-star kids. Mm-hmm. Herbert was, you know, grew up a mile from the stadium. So it was it was easy to, to pick that one. But, you know, the way I look at Bo Nix is, and obviously for, for Oregon fans, our, our one uh, lasting memory of him was in 2019. His first game as a true freshman where he helped lead Auburn and I, and I won't say that he had a big hand in it I think Oregon yeah. kind of let that one slip away but you know you're, you have to look at it this way where he played three years as a starter in the SEC and mm-hmm. arguably the toughest division in all of college football and in fact I don't even really think it's arguable yeah and while he maybe never looked quite up to what Auburn fans had expected He's going to, again, he's going to come out here to the West Coast and he's going to face defenses that are not on the same planet as mm. Georgia. He's going to face defenses that are not on the same planet as Alabama. And I made mm. this reference the other day on Scoop Duck where, where I write, I said, if you took a middling 
average packed, uh, excuse me, SEC defense, let's say, and I just, I threw out Tennessee, and then I don't know Tennessee's rankings from this past year, but mm-hmm. so if you took an average Tennessee team, an average SEC team like Tennessee, and you brought them out to the Pac-12, they would easily have the second or third best defense in the conference, and it wouldn't even be close based just on the athletes they have, it, you know, because it's just, it's just a different world, and so when you factor that in, he's going to be playing much easier competition from a, a defensive standpoint. Uh, Oregon's got a lot of skill talent and a lot of it's very young. And that was the biggest issue this season for fans was that they brought in arguably three of the best wide receivers they've ever, ever recruited in the 2021 class. And those guys didn't really sniff the field until the 10th week of the season. Hmm. Uh, a lot of that was because Mario is very loyal, which is great. But the guys that were playing above him were seniors. They just didn't have the talent level that these younger kids had. And then when they got a chance to play the last couple games of the season, we all saw how good they were. So I look at Bo as an example of a guy who's going to come out here, going to have good weapons around him. He's going to have a very experienced, very good offensive line. And he's going to go up against competition that's not half as good as what he faced the first three years. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's not a, a world beater. He's not a, a first-round NFL draft pick, but he doesn't need to be. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. And so you ask whether or not he's going to be starter day one. My guess is that that's the way they go. Yeah. Just because they're going to open the season against Georgia. And if they were opening against anybody else, I would say that the, the competition would probably be more of a true competition. Mm-hmm. I find it. I, find, I, I don't envision a scenario where Oregon and Georgia open up Labor Day weekend in Atlanta, and Bo Nix is not the starter. Just from the fact that of all the guys on the roster, he's the one that won't be rattled by that situation. Hmm. Um, Joel, are you making that trip? Are you Are you coming down to Atlanta? Well, I'd love to, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming my dad's going to listen to this podcast. So if he's listening, uh, you know, maybe this is a good chance for him to. For us to, to have a more serious conversation, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, me, me personally, I, I have such a love and passion for the sport of college football and its history. I would much rather the game actually be in Athens because I don't think it's going to make a big difference on Oregon's ability to pull out the win, whether it's in Athens or Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 98% Georgia fans, so yeah. I don't think that would have a big difference. I would love to see the game actually be in Georgia so we can experience that stadium, but I mean, it's going to be a great environment, and, and uh, you know, if, if the chips fall where we where I hope, then uh, yeah, we'd love to be down there. And you know, man, that that's one thing about college football is is I'm I'm not I'm not big on the on the neutral site games. Like when I went to Dallas, you know, in 2019, it was cool to see Cowboy Stadium and Jerry World and all that, but. Man, I wish we could have done a home and home, and us come to Autzen, and and y'all come to to Jordan Hare, and 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 I want to experience more of that. I, I'm tired of seeing Alabama play Michigan and Dallas, or or Miami and Atlanta. I'm just I'm I'm just not a fan of it. And you know, I, I want more of the home and homes, like us going to Penn State this year. I thought that was amazing. And yeah, and, and it's. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's you know the, the pageantry of, of the sport is what makes it so great. And you know when you when you are able to watch two programs like Penn State that maybe are not at the absolute top of the sport, but when you have a chance to play them, you feel like you're playing a big game. When they when they're going up, yeah, that game would have been fun if it would have been at you know like you said in Dallas. But 
it wouldn't have had near the intensity and near the environment as it did in Happy Valley. It would have been the same if it had been down in Auburn. So I, I'm right there with you. And I, and I understand it's a money situation and because of that, it's probably never going to change. We're never going to go back to just home and homes. These mm-hmm. stadiums are always going to be a draw. I, I like personally from the West, I'm a West coast person, I would love to see some more games be up in Seattle. Seattle's has a beautiful mm-hmm. NFL stadium. And I think there would be, be a great opportunity. If Oregon's going to go down to Atlanta and play Georgia, why can't Georgia go up to Seattle and play Oregon? And, and mm. if you're going to do a back to, uh, home and home, but you're not going to get both teams to agree on, uh, on on which way to go, you know, then if you can't find a time for them to come to Eugene and Oregon to go to, to Athens, go to Seattle and then go to Atlanta. It, it's it's the closest Love you're going to get, but you know, at least make it a little bit more fair because let's be honest, other than Los Angeles, now you're not going to find an NFL stadium west of Texas that that a lot of the you know teams of the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC are going to agree as a landing spot for a neutral site game. So I, yeah. I, I'd like to see that part get a little bit more fair. But, yeah, when you have opportunities to play it, to see an Auburn-Penn State, you, you got to enjoy it. you got to embrace it because those games are going to become further and further away. No doubt, man, and and I'm I'm right there with you. And, and I got two more for you, man, that in this first one, you know, with Coach Lanning coming in. What what are the expectations in year one with the Oregon program? Is it is it you know I know Utah's out there and Lincoln Riley now at USC. Is it is it to make the college football playoffs and and win the Pac twelve championship? Uh, it shouldn't be. Or Oregon's not there yet, and, mm. and what's hard about it is uh, you know after this season we're going to lose a guy like Noah Sewell who mm-hmm. uh, you know is a, a trans a, a transcendent player uh, he is he is a, a six foot three 260 pound linebacker that if if all the chips fall could I, I see him being sort of the next Micah Parsons uh, mm. that was this year where he, he goes that high in the draft and linebackers don't go that high in the draft but mm-hmm. Noah is a, a, a he's a freak of nature and he's gonna be undoubtedly gone after this season and you hate to you know you hate to have a season where you say, you're not aiming for the highest when you have someone like him. But I think that's where, especially for an Oregon fan, it's different because we're not used to stacking big time recruiting classes on top of each other. So when we lose a player like that, it's like, Oh my God, we're never going to see another one. And that's where the excitement for someone like landing and the staff comes in because Oregon's not set up to make the playoffs in 2022. They're, they're just not, they don't have mm-hmm. the depth. Uh, and if they have, I mean, even half of the injuries that they had this year, it'll be considered a, 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 you know, a huge success because they were absolutely ravished by, by injuries. No but, doubt. Uh, you know, this roster, it, it's getting closer. And I, I look, I'm a big fan of following the blue chip ratio. Uh, and, and that's basically the, like the recruiting sites version of, of depending uh, seeing how many players on a roster were four and five star kids coming out of high school. And hmm. Oregon is finally, you know, they bumped up their above 50%. But they need to get close to 60, 70, 80% to really have the depth necessary to make a, a real push for the playoff. I mean, anybody can make the playoff on a given yeah. year. We saw Iowa almost, you know, was, yeah. was ranked in the top four for most of the year. Iowa would have gotten blown off the field against anybody they played in the playoff. And, and that was sort of the situation with Oregon back in 2014. They got lucky and played a Florida State team that was coming apart at the seams before that game even started. And then we saw in the title game against Ohio State, they just didn't have the horses to, to run with them. I mean, the second half of that game. No doubt. It was just hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott 
have a run up the B gap and, and dare Oregon to stop them. And, and they couldn't do anything to slow them down. So, 100%. you know, I, I think, I think Oregon, it, it, they're in a good spot. And I think with, with coach landing, he, you know, you get the vibe. He wants to do it right. This is his first head coaching job. He's going to do everything he can to make it either the one he sticks at because he's that successful or mm-hmm. put himself in the best spot to maybe, you know, if, if something opens up closer to home, who knows, but uh, you know they're going to be a good team. I think they're 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 going to win. You know, if all chips fall and and they stay healthy, they're going to win the the Pac-12 North. There's no one really in that division that's on their level from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then Utah, you know, Utah is one of those funny stories where they, every few years they'll come out come out of, of nowhere and have a season like this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look up and down that roster, and I, I think Utah probably has three players that would have been offered scholarships by an Auburn or Georgia or, or Florida. They, no they're doubt. just, it's not that way. So every year on paper, you look at them and you think, boy, they, they shouldn't be a threat, but you watch the way that they, they play. And they, I mean, they're just, they're a violent team. They're a nasty team. They, they, they epitomize a team that plays like everyone disrespects them and they're, they're taking it personally. Uh, so, you know, out of the South, I, I don't envision a scenario where it's not Oregon versus Utah or USC. Um, I think USC is closer to being relevant than people out here want to believe because we're really enjoying them being down because for so long they ran <laughs> over everybody. Uh, you get even a halfway competent coach with the roster that they still have on, the, on that team, mm-hmm. or the talent they still have on that roster, and they're going to be fine. And then, you know, bringing in a guy like Lincoln Riley, he's going to have that ship turned around a lot quicker than I think people are giving him credit for. So, it's going to be a fun year, but this is a this is a three year build, really. If, if, if Lanning wants to do it right, you know he could easily go out and grab seven or eight kids out of the transfer portal this year mm-hmm. to try and make twenty twenty two better. Uh, you know he had his his first press conference yesterday where he's actually in town and the staff is in town, mm-hmm. and he got the vibe that he's not in a rush. And by that I mean he knows that if, if he takes his time and builds this thing right, come twenty three twenty twenty four, Oregon's going to be right there. So. Uh, I would say if you're an Oregon fan listening to this, pump the brakes. Uh, enjoy 2022 for what it's going to be, and it's going to be a fun year. And I, you know, I see two or three losses, but there's they're going to be a young team, uh, and then you really start to ramp up after that. Man, that's awesome! You broke that down really well, and uh, I I I love to hear that, man. And my last one for you, my last question here: Kayvon Thibodeau and the Joel Clat. Um, that little piece, whatever it was, man. Um, you know, some people here in Alabama are not very happy about it. Um, I've had listeners just, I mean, inbox me and say, "Hey, can you ask Joel what what was what was Kayvon? What was he actually trying to say, man?" Because, I mean. I think I understand what he was trying to say, but I don't think some. I don't think some got it. Could could you kind of could you kind of explain that? Yeah. Well. Well. First of all, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm not going to try to pretend that I was in Kayvon's head and, and you know understand what he was saying. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll just explain it from what I like yeah. said, what I think he was getting at. Uh, we've had the privilege of listening to Kayvon for three years, and I don't think you'll find a a better college student uh, when it comes to his ability to think things through. Uh, He's, he's, you know, he's not a, he's not one of those kids that came in, skirted through college and walked out the door. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he took his studies very seriously. He's a, he's a 
uh, a well-known chess player. I mean, he's a very smart kid. And so I think, you know, the other thing is, and, and I, you know, I didn't watch the full tele- telecast. I was watching the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on TV for almost three hours. And at some point, you know, a, a 21-year-old kid is going to make a mistake. And I think what he did is he he didn't word correctly at all what he was trying to say. Now, if I, okay. Okay, if I had to guess what he was going for, it's this. It's that he's an ambassador for the program. He loves Oregon. And I think he wants to show kids that you can come here and you don't have to go to an Alabama, to a Georgia to a Miami, to a Clemson. You don't have to go there to be recognized and to have a chance to go first overall in the draft. I think that is, I think that's the baseline of what he was trying to say. Now, when he brought up the stigma that a school like Alabama has, I think that, that's lazy. Yeah. I think on his part, it's lazy. But I think what he was going more for was it's the built-in advantage that Oregon has with Nike. And I know Oregon, there's a lot of Oregon fans that hates the fact that we're associated with Nike. And it's like, we're not Nike U. It's like, well, but yes, we are. And let's embrace it. Because now you can embrace it. You can embrace the fact that you are tied in with Nike now with the NIL and, and the name, image, and likeness. That is Oregon's biggest selling point going forward. And that was his point, is that it doesn't matter. You could come in and be the 90th guy on the roster and not not ever play a snap at Oregon, and you walk out the door with your degree, you walk into Nike, and you can have a job. Mm. Just because you are associated with the University of Oregon football program, they will find a way, whether it's an internship, or, you know, Kayvon's going to probably sign a $100 million deal with Nike when he is drafted in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think that was his point, was Alabama has a 1,000 boosters that are mega-rich, you could go to Alabama. You could win a national championship. And he said, he goes, if I would have been to Alabama, I would have won a championship. Yes, he did. And he would have been the number one or number two draft pick or number three draft pick. But he went to Oregon, and he's going to be the number one, number two, or number three draft pick. Mm-hmm. And he's walking out with Nike at his door. I mean, he's had dinner, multiple dinners, with Phil Knight, who, let's face it, is still probably the most influential person in all of sports when it comes mm-hmm. down to it. So. He didn't say it right, and I think if he could go back, and, he, and he's made mention of it on social media the last couple of days. Yes, but, he you has. Know, he, 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 I don't think he's necessarily apologized, because I don't necessarily think he said anything wrong, but he definitely worded it incorrectly. So yeah, I, I certainly understand, uh, you know, if, if you went to Alabama, you're probably not thrilled with what he said. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I think it was taken out of context, because I don't think he said it the way he meant it to, but... You know, again, he's an ambassador for the program. He wants kids to know if you come to Oregon, you've got Nike in your back pocket in a, in a, in, in a way now that you can actually talk about. So that, that's how I took it. And, of course, I'm going to be a little bit biased because we're all very appreciative of him and what he did when he was here. But, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like I said, he was on the air for three hours. Mm-hmm. He slipped up a little bit. I, I think everyone's allowed a little bit of a pass. Yeah, man. And, and you know, I, I understood what he was trying to say, and, and I'm right there with you, and I agree 100%. And like you said, he, he's still a kid, man, and he he, he just – he messed up. And, and, hey, you know, like you said, he was on the air for three hours and he worded something wrong, and – He's he's owned up to it, and in my opinion, I'm with you. He don't need to apologize. Uh, he knows where you know he knows what he did, and and you know I you know I thank you for clearing it up because I've had people inbox me wanting me to ask you about it, 
and and for you to clear it up. So, man. Well, and here's the other thing too. My opinion shouldn't change people's minds. If, if you're upset with what he said, be upset with what he said. If, mm. if I lived in Alabama and I heard what he said, I would be pissed. I wouldn't because you know uh, fans down there probably don't have uh, three years of listening to all of his press conferences and listening to all of his interviews, mm-hmm. and, and you know probably don't have an understanding of who he is and, and things he has said in the past. Which you know, this is his first real. This is his first blunder <laughs> yeah. when it comes to, to saying something so you know it, it's not i'm not saying this to try to change people's minds i'm just telling you knowing him the way we do out here and being in the media you know we've seen everything he's ever said i, I don't i don't think it was meant as a personal attack i think it was just a no, slip yeah. of the tongue a little bit but you know people are going to feel how they feel and that's the nature of today's of today's society with everything being sound bites and it, it's very easy to take a two-minute clip and air it and have it look like, oh, wow, look what he said. This is really negative. But in the larger context, I, I, that, that's just where I'm coming from. Man, Joel, I appreciate you coming on today, man. And I hope to, to closer to football season I can get you back on. And uh, I really appreciate your time, man. And Absolutely. I love having loving coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, for letting me on. And, and can you tell uh, all my listeners and followers where they can find you on social media? Yeah, but only if they're going to be truthful. <laughs> so now uh, you can find me on Twitter at jgundy85, uh, and I write for Scoop Duck, uh, scoopduck.com. We're part of the On Three Network, uh, a big Oregon recruiting site. But uh, you know, we try to try to be very non-biased and uh, in our reporting and and tell it to the truth. So if you're interested in what's going on out here with the Oregon program or, or the, the Pac-12 at all, uh, come give us a follow. It's a really good site. That's awesome, man. Joel, I appreciate it once again, man, and it was good talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have a good one, man. You too. Bye. Man, what a piece right there by Joel Gunderson, folks. That's that's about as real as it gets, and man – he, he gave you everything you wanted to know about what's going on out West, uh, everything you wanted to know about the Oregon Duck program. And I know we're all SEC here, but I absolutely enjoyed getting out West and, and reaching out to Joel on Twitter and him hitting me back as soon as I reached out and said, hey, man, sure, I would love to come on your podcast. And I think he laid it out perfectly that, hey, you know, the SEC, you guys down there – you might not be used to us out here in the West Coast, and and you don't get to hear everything, Oregon. And I think Joel laid it out perfectly. He come on, he nailed it. He did a great job, and just once again, I've said it a couple times now, man. I'm I'm just extremely thankful and grateful for your time, and super good dude. And I, I, hey, I said it in the interview. Uh, I want to get to Altson. I want to get up there to Eugene and experience a game because. I just absolutely love the Oregon atmosphere up there. I love the fan base. I love the people connected to it. I love the hire by you know by the Ducks with Dan Lanning, and I'm super excited for that program. And man, I want them to get the monkey off their back and 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 like Georgia breaking the 1980 curse. Man, I want Oregon to break through and win a Natty here soon. And and I think this Lanning hire could possibly it could possibly happen in the near future and you know wrapping things up on today's episode i just really want to 
thank everybody again for tuning in and listening and, and us bringing on another big guest. And we're really starting to branch it out, man. And it's all because of you guys, the shares, the, the, the likes, the, the Twitter likes, the reviews on Apple, the reviews on spot, uh, Spotify, just, just huge, huge stuff that's going on here. And, and we really appreciate it. And with that being said, I'm out and I'll catch you on the next one.